This is episode number 22 with Amy Lopez. Welcome to The Marriage Show. I'm your host, Jennifer Price, international marriage interventionist and best-selling co-author of Success Breakthroughs. On this show, I provide innovative solutions for marital success by focusing on personal development and relationship transformation. Every week, I'll be talking with thought leaders from around the world and will be providing your weekly dose of wisdom so you can catapult yourselves to marital success and true life fulfillment. I ask you to love one another, encourage and support each other, and live with passion. Are you ready? Here we go. We acknowledge the many sacrifices military members endure while defending the freedom and security of our nation. And we acknowledge the sacrifices and danger involved with other service-based careers like firefighters, emergency personnel, and police. But their family members sacrifice just as much. Being the spouse of such service-based professionals isn't an easy endeavor. Today, I'm talking with Amy Lopez, wife to Dave Lopez, a former Navy SEAL who now conducts missions worldwide for two organizations, Operation Underground Railroad and the Nazarene Fund. Operation Underground Railroad rescues children from sex trafficking, and the Nazarene Fund rescues victims kidnapped due to religious persecution. Dave travels the world rescuing enslaved human beings, so his life is constantly in danger. Today, we're going to find out from his wife, Amy, how she remains calm while her husband is off in the dark trenches of evil, constantly putting his life on the line, how she runs the home smoothly while Dave is gone, and how they maintain a normal home life and successful marriage despite the stress his job provides. And I'm excited to announce that Dave will be back on the show today to join us for this conversation. So all of you who are married to someone with a dangerous career, you're going to want to listen to what Amy and Dave have to say here. Without further ado, let's bring out these two lovebirds, these two pillars of strength and courage. Dave and Amy, welcome to The Marriage Show. Hi. Thank you. It's glad to be here. Good to be back, Jennifer. Yeah, glad to have you guys. I want to start by asking you, Amy, what is love to you? Love to me is trust, respect, and the ability to be completely transparent with the, the other person no matter what. Mm-hmm. Love it. Love it. Many military spouses can easily become resentful towards their partner for leaving them behind for long periods of time. And then also for putting themselves at risk for death, which would ultimately leave you, their partner, alone as a single parent to provide and care for the family. So I'm wondering, Amy, if you've ever experienced any kind of resentment like this towards Dave. No, um, actually not at all. Dave has a job to do and his job is to, you know, go to these dangerous places and do these dangerous things. But at the same time, I'm completely aware that Dave has the proper training to be able to do that. So a dangerous situation for him with the proper training and the ability to complete all the tasks in front of him isn't actually as dangerous as it would be for us. So it's kind of like, you know, my job is to stay back and take care of the kids and go to the grocery store and be the stay at home mom slash wife. It's not dangerous for me. The things that Dave does, even though they're, they're very dangerous situations, he's very highly trained. So it makes it not dangerous for him at all. So that it eliminates the fear that any harm is actually going to come to him because I know that he's fully prepared to be able to take on whatever comes his way. Mm, that's some strength. I, I think I would still find a way to worry a little bit. <laughs> that's amazing. That's amazing. Do you ever have you ever been resentful of him just for for leaving you and being gone for for periods of time, because there's so many different professions, not just military, you know, there's like fishermen and there's, there's different types of careers where 
one spouse is left behind for, you know, even months at a time. So have you ever felt resentful towards him for for being in a career where you are left at home alone to run to run the household and take care of the children by yourself? No, definitely not. I look at it as a gift. You know, he he does what he does and he's gone for long periods of time. Yes. But when he comes home, he's with me 100% of the time that he's home. He's not off, you know, at a coffee shop somewhere. He's not off hanging out with his buddies. He doesn't leave me behind to do things. Dave's an extremely attentive husband and father when he's back at home. By leaving and doing what he does, he gives me the ability to stay back and raise our family and not have to work that nine to five job where I have to, you know, give my kids over to somebody else and rely on some else like a nanny or daycare to raise them during the day. So I actually look at it as a, a gift and a blessing. I mean, when he's home, he's right by my side the entire time. So I love it. I love your mindset. I love the way that you focus more on the gratitude and all the positives instead of focusing on and getting wrapped up in, in any type of negatives that might come with it. Can you see why I love this woman so much? <laughs> yes. Yeah, she's a sweetheart. I've totally fallen <laughs> yeah. in love with her. <laughs> I'm really, really happy to have met both of you. You're both very inspiring. Yeah. I can see why you're both totally in love with each other. I think you you both are great and you both have great mindsets and focus on the right things. So, yeah, it seems like you guys have a really beautiful relationship. Amy, what's been the hardest element? Because I know, you know, having a husband going off and doing dangerous work like this, it can really play on, you know, a wife's psyche back at home. What's been the hardest element for you regarding the dangerous career and this lifestyle that Dave has chosen? It's been me feeling like a sitting duck when he's gone. When Dave's home, I know that he's he's there to protect me and everything's covered. But when he's gone, I look at the dangerous situations that he's in and these dangerous people that he has to deal with. And I'm like, oh my goodness, you know, if somebody decided to retaliate, all of a sudden they can come at me and I'm, I'm kind of feeling like a sitting duck sitting back at home without any protection. So the hardest thing for me to overcome is my own personal security when he's away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I think many people don't realize, unless you're in this form of work and and, in the intelligence, the world of intelligence, people don't realize that, you know, whether you're spec ops or doing the work that Dave does, if if someone really wants revenge, they're not going to go after that person who pissed them off. They're going to go after what's going to hit them the hardest, and that's their family. Exactly. Yeah, so there, there's a very real threat of someone coming after you as well. I know that Dave has trained you and that you are very well equipped to protect yourself and your children. And, and Dave, I know we've talked. I know that, that Amy and the children are very well protected while you're gone. So much so, I don't think I would want to pay Amy a surprise visit. <laughs> I think I'd be <laughs> sh- shaking in my boots. <laughs> I'm kidding. But, but I know that she's very well protected while you're gone. Yeah. But this is a very real threat. And, and we all know that, again, if, if you piss someone off, you know, some bad guys out in the world and they really want revenge, they're not going to come after you, at least not in the beginning. They're going to hit you where it hurts the most, and that's your family. So for a woman who is often at home alone while you're off in the world doing your work, I know it can really mess with, with a woman's psyche. So what I'm really interested in here. I'm not even going to ask you how you've prepared her and how she's protected. That's like asking a chess player for, you know, your your chess opponent for their best moves, right? So we're, I, I know she's very well protected and taken care of. But what I'm interested in knowing more about is the mindset, you know, how have you prepared her mentally to handle what could essentially be a very real physical threat to her and the children while you're gone? I think just simply by going through the process and kind of envisioning, you know, those kind of horrific potential things that could happen and running through the process ahead of time is in itself like a, you know, something that sets you apart as opposed to somebody that would just be, you know, scrambling in that last minute. Once, if you have a plan already in your mind going into that event, you're going to behave, you know, obviously so much more efficiently than if, if, if it was just, you know, just leaving it up to different security devices or things like that. So there's a real human component that 
you know, I've prepared her in and, and we've done a lot of training as well. Um, even firearm training here and there, just, I've wanted to make sure she understands, you know, how to, how to protect this home and how to protect herself and the kids. So, but yeah, the mindset is really just one of kind of being prepared for the chaos and, and being able to know exactly where you're going, what you're doing in case of those kind of emergencies. So I think having that is, is really what gives the confidence, you know, to, and and kind of the, peace of mind. I don't believe in, I really don't try to overplay it too. Like I don't, I don't believe that it should be this fear-based, always checking things, always feeling paranoid that someone's going to come and, uh, and, and harm you. I, I really, I don't really believe in that mindset. I think it's more of a fear mindset than it is a, a rational thinking mindset. So we try to, I try to just empower more than anything and empower her to, to feel confident and, and, the things that I teach. Yeah, that's perfect. Perfect. I want to talk masculinity and femininity for a minute. Dave, you were on the show and we were talking about men and masculinity. And I really love that episode. We're getting great feedback. I'm hearing from a lot of men how you've total their 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 whole mindset, their way of thinking and feeling and behaving has totally shifted. So thank you for coming on and, and talking with me about that. It's so heartwarming to hear that people are, are being benefited by it. Thank you so much for having me on. It was awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was, that was a great episode. There, you know, there's a few elements that create passion in marriage, and I believe that polarity is one of them. And for those of you who don't know what I mean when I say polarity, polarity is the collision of the masculine and feminine energies, also called the masculine and feminine characteristics. When the two come together, the masculine and the feminine, they repel each other, not in a bad way, but they repel each other much like the negative and positive ends of a magnet, thus creating polarity. And these differences are what create variety and passion in a romantic relationship. Examples of the masculine characteristics would be strong leadership skills, assertiveness, strength, courage, defending as a protector. Those are just a few. And then a few of the feminine characteristics are things like laughter, being gentle, being playful and flirtatious, sweetness, being supportive, and being very nurturing. Now, all people, men and women, need to have both sides very well honed, but studies show that the happiest relationships are those where one person dwells mostly in the masculine, while the other maintains the feminine for most of the time. Many women can easily become more masculine if they've experienced a trauma, if they're in a failing marriage, or if they're experiencing any type of extreme pain. It's what we call a natural self-defense mechanism for women. We become masculine to protect ourselves. And Dave, I know that you are profoundly masculine, and Amy, you are really feminine, you know, so I'm I'm super curious here, Amy. Are you're drop dead gorgeous, by the way? You you look really feminine. Thank you. Um, you sound very feminine, but I really am interested more in your energy and your behavior and what you bring to the table because, you know, we're talking about your feminine characteristics and the way that you relate to Dave. And what I'm wondering is if you've noticed a change in your femininity since meeting Dave, because, you know, when you're dealing with a man who has such a profound masculinity, you you know, former Navy SEAL, you know, many women, their femininity and masculine characteristics can be greatly altered when you're in the presence of someone like this. So I'm, I'm curious if you've noticed a change in your femininity since meeting Dave. Absolutely. I, I completely agree with you. Um, I actually became a lot more feminine After meeting Dave and actually finding a true man that does have so much masculine energy, I was able to drop the guard that I had that caused the type of behavior that would lead somebody to feel like they had to be, you know, assertive over somebody else. I feel like when you're able to balance your energies and by balance, I mean, you know, the man being extremely masculine and the woman being extremely feminine, that's the balance that we have in our household. I feel like if you're not combating at those energies where, you know, there's a pull of strength where the woman's trying to be assertive and, you know, put her foot down and that's not really the place that if you're extremely feminine, you should be in. I feel like the dynamic is able to balance itself really well. Hmm. 
Yeah, I love that. I think, you know, so many women, when they're standing before an alpha male, you know, a, a man who's super masculine, many women feel the need to prove themselves, to say, oh, you know, I'm just as tough and I'm just as strong. And so they'll kind of rise up and they'll test him and and they'll assert themselves. And then others will will tend to do what you said and and kind of pull back more into the feminine. Now, when I was younger, I was that person where I would rise up and say, yeah, you think you're tough? I'm tough too, you know? <laughs> I think that's more, um, you know, coming from a place of immaturity. But as I've, as I've gotten a little older and matured and become a little more self, you know, just self-confident and know my own worth, now when I'm in front of a man who's super masculine, I tend to become super feminine because I think, you know, he's got it covered. He's got it covered. So now I can just kind of dwell in my natural, you know, very feminine place. It's really refreshing to hear you say this, but it's really intriguing too because, because so many women would become more masculine to try to almost compete, I think. Now, Obviously, none of us are guaranteed another day of life on this earth, but the reality here is that Dave's career, he's in a much higher risk for death. The reality is, is and, and we all know, you could lose your husband any given day. Does knowing this tempt you to ever become a little more hardened at heart? Do you ponder what it would be like to be left at home as a single parent and then out of that natural self-defense mechanism that we can have, are you ever tempted to shift more into the masculine just just you know just purely to protect your heart from from that type of pain and worry? No, definitely not. Um, I'll admit that I'm much more feminine when Dave's home than when he's gone. When I'm left alone, I feel the need to be both masculine and feminine to properly run the household. I mean, there's some big decisions that have to be made sometimes when he's not home. There's things that I kind of have to pick up when he's not there to play that role. So it is really about having the opportunity to balance myself with him. So when he's home, I'm still just as feminine as I always am with him. But when he's away, there is that little bit of shift just because you have to, to shift things to properly run your life when there's not you know masculine and feminine energy in, in the room. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's really normal just because you have to kind of, you know, you have to lead your children and be there for them in a different way than when Dave is home. I think that's so normal. I'm so proud of you for being able to trust him enough and stay in your feminine because it really seems to be a huge area of conflict and battle for so many women. So kudos to you, Amy. <laughs> Thank you. I feel like if you just step back and let the man be the man and then you can play your role as the woman instead of trying to, you know, step over them and do their job and then in turn expect them to do your job for you. Like, I feel like there's a power struggle that happens there where if you just kind of back off and fall into your own individual roles and embrace it, that those, those conflicts don't happen. Yeah. Things flow much more easily and much more successfully too. I think you're right. You seem like a super strong woman and very equipped and enabled and resourceful. Dave, did you feel at any point like that you had to prepare Amy for being alone without you and, and handling family in these different dynamics that we're talking about for the times that you are gone for a while? I really didn't. At the beginning, you know, she, she had been raising, you know, her two kids, you know, on her own and she'd gotten very, very used to it. And she was doing that while working. So the big thing that happened was the transition from from that having to juggle that with work, and I I immediately offered her the ability to to not work, and I wanted that option for her. And once it was like an overnight, as as I've heard her talk about it, it, it was just like an immediate weight lifted off her shoulders, and she really enjoyed embracing the single focus of the home. And so when it comes to like you know, I never have one single thought about how the home is running, how the kids are doing, how anything is happening, whether that's even from like logistics back home or, you know, financial issues, like from everything, she is competent and, and is extremely diligent and a hard worker. So I have, when I'm gone, like, it's almost like not just for her, like to be able to prepare her, she's probably done more for me to have peace of mind when I'm not here. I don't know, I might sound crazy, but I just have this amazing 
sense of peace when I'm gone about the stability of my home. And she, she is extremely strong. And, and that's such an interesting part to this whole thing is a lot of people would assume like someone really embracing femininity wouldn't have these strong, you know what I mean? Characteristics. Cause that isn't the stereotype typically, but it, she's extremely feminine and she has so much work ethic is such a hard worker. She could do anything she wanted to do. And we're in that place where like, you know, this works for us. We love, uh, we both love the dynamics of the stay at home mom thing and, and, and me taking care of the, you know, the financial aspect of it. But we're not like married to it. We, we realize there's multiple ways of doing this and people are in different places, you know? And I even told her when we first got together, I was like, yeah, you could definitely go. And if you want this, you can, you can have this option, but I didn't want, you know, it to come across as a limiting thing. I think as long as both people are really contributing their part and know what their part is, you know, that's not one sided. I think that's where, I think that's where a lot of the problems start. So I, I, we're not trying to present this as if it's the only way, but we, we really do enjoy our, our dynamics in the home. And knowing that you have so much peace while you're away also is a beautiful testament to the amount of trust that you have in Amy, you know, and that she's, she's very well equipped to handle anything and everything. And I think that Amy, you've done a really good job of like what I was describing earlier. Every, every human being has to have both the masculine and the feminine. And Dave, you have to have a certain amount of your feminine, those characteristics built up in you, like your ability to be gentle with your wife and to be gentle with children when they're young and to be emotional and to express your emotions and your desires. And then, you know, just as much as your masculinity, right? And Amy, it sounds like you've done a really great job of of having the masculine characteristics, like the leadership and the ability to protect and and to be assertive. So you have all of those very, very well-developed but the key here, I think, for men and women is knowing when to tap into the different characteristics and when to pull away from them. And it sounds like you both do a really good job of fluctuating in and out of all the different characteristics as needed, you know, as they're necessary. It was one of those things, like when we got together, we both had experiences beforehand where we, we know what it's like for that to be out of balance. And early on, I mean that's what we connected on. We really like, we, we talked about this stuff very early on and realized we're both of each other. We don't want to play games anymore. And we realized exactly what went wrong. And the thing that drew me to, to Amy from the beginning is she was so brutally honest, even about herself and her own, and her own failings from her own perspective. Like she wasn't blaming other people, even though other people did horrible things to her she wasn't in that blame game. She took responsibility and she was someone that, I mean, I just never heard anyone be that brutally honest. And honestly, it's what drew to, it's what drew me to her the most from the beginning was, was her ability to, to clearly learn from the past. And that's kind of what started this whole thing from the beginning. It was about these, you know, it was all about, I, I explained to her exactly what I was looking for in a woman. And she explained to me exactly what she wanted you know, in a man, and we both just took off. I think that's where that trust and transparency, when you ask me what I believe love is, I think that's where trust and transparency comes in. I think you just have to be completely open from the beginning. You know, I've never asked the two of you, how did you meet? (laughs) (laughs) Great. Um, So, uh, so Amy actually, initially, uh, she got on my Facebook because she had briefly dated an older buddy of mine, like one day. And they didn't really hit it off. So somehow she got on my Facebook and I, after I was going through a, a bad, you know, divorce and separation and everything. And, and shortly after, you know, it was, uh, it was something that was a long time coming. It was a really, really painful kind of story, but I was coming out of that and I saw her there on Facebook and I always kind of, kind of Facebook stalked her a little bit, you know, I was kind of watching. I loved her personality and the things that she was kind of saying and, so I sent her this, I sent her this text. I still have, we still have the text. It's kind of but I, but I, I reached out just saying, Hey, I, you, you seem like a really awesome person. would love to take you out sometime. Something like that. And she responds back with, aren't you married? <laughs> <laughs> which I, which I thought was hilarious. And actually I really liked her response. Even though I was cracking up. I thought that was a cool response, you know, that someone would immediately, you know, go there like and be that confrontational but I really liked it actually but um 
but yeah, that was our, that was our first interaction. And then honestly, after our first date, it was love at first sight. I think we were married from the first second that we met. Literally like like we haven't been separate since our first date. We haven't been separate besides the travel. But the first like six months, we never left each other's side. Hmm. I mean like once (laughs) it was was crazy. So, um, and you just happened to live like in the same town or, or close to each other. Like 20 minutes away. And never knew each other. Nope. No, no. That is amazing. I know. I know. We actually went to same high school, you know, a couple years apart. But I mean, went to this, <laughs> I mean, we never knew each other. And so, like, we look back on it. We were actually joking about this the other day because, like, we moved so fast in, in our relationship. And, and sometimes even we look back on it like, what were we thinking moving that fast? Yeah, logically, it does not add up. Like, logically, those decisions that we made so early on should have been horrible for us long term. But emotionally at the time, it just felt right. And we trusted each other so completely from the very beginning that it completely worked. And there's tons of like, there's tons of backstory here. Like, it might just seem like we're just two people that knew exactly what we wanted, but there's tons of history for both of us of of abuse and just horrible experiences that have kind of led us to this. We're not, I know we're not, that's not the point of of what we're saying now, but what I'm trying to get at is like, we're both people that had plenty of reason not to jump in with the amount of trust that we did for each other and and simply just chose to anyway. So yeah, if if you leave your guard up, then nobody can get in. Yeah. Yeah, That's a testimony, I think, to both of your internal strength because so many, it's so common, you know, this it's, it's so common after people experience trauma and relationships hurt of any like extreme hurt of any kind outside just the norm of, you know, meeting and dating and, and breaking up because you're just not right for each other. But I'm talking real pain. It's so common for people to throw up that guard and and make a decision in that split second. Oftentimes they're not even aware of the decisions they make, people make. I'm guilty of this too. But we make these key decisions and moments of stress. Most of the time we're not aware of, but things like, well, I'm never going to trust again, or, you know, men are jerks, or, you know, women, women are just after money, or, you know, we, we come up with these weird beliefs, and we stick yes. to them, and it really prevents us from the capability of just being vulnerable with someone. In, in a, it, does. it does a disservice to all of your future relationships and to yourself. Yeah, it, yeah, it really does. And and then often people sit back and, and wonder, how do I get like this? Or, you know, why am I behaving this way? And it's it's all about those key decisions and moments of stress. And, and so, yeah, it, it takes a really strong person to look within and to acknowledge, you know, who you really are and aren't and what your limitations are and those limiting beliefs that we come up with. It's a terrible pattern. It's a terrible cycle. You see people getting, people are getting hurt all over the place. I mean, they're getting hurt because of things that other people did to other people. and, And it's strange because we can all like step back and look at it and see that that's what's going on. But for many people, when it comes to their personal life, they can never see it of themselves. You know what I mean? It's one of those things that we don't realize we're doing it when we're doing it. And our, our, our level of self-awareness is really low. And we don't realize we're that person that's part of the problem. Now We're part of that problem. We're that person taking out things on other people that have nothing to do with them. You know what I mean? And we both even like, I'm not saying we're, we're immune to that. Like we both still at times, like there's things from my past that hurt me still and trigger me, you know, like makes me more sensitive to certain things. And I'm aware of that and I've had to deal with those things. And But her, but Amy and I talk about all those things. Oh, yeah. When we sit down and really communicate with each other and break it down, we're then talking from a place of understanding and we figure out that it wasn't that he did anything to me or that I did anything to him. It was a misunderstanding because of a past experience where right. the other person assumed something of the other individual. So it, it's not that either one of us have ever done anything intentional to harm the other person. It's that, you know, there are things in the past that sometimes they come up and you have to go, you know, I'm, I'm not your past. I'm not your history. Right. And that's, a, that's something that for people to, to really understand that, how much do you think people really are like, how many people, marriage, mar- married couples, excuse me, how many times do you think people are actually wanting to hurt the other person? Probably not that many compared to the times they actually hurt the other person. 
if, if both parties can understand, like nobody's really trying to hurt each other and there's real reasons why we're doing it. It's like, if we don't understand, there's no way we can forgive. There's no way we can get over things. So yeah, it's like, it, I think it comes down to expectations and intention. And I'm always yeah. telling couples, you know, in the middle of a conflict to stop and ask yourselves, does my spouse really have, you know, a bad intention right now? Or is this a misunderstanding of some sort? And, and a lot of times, too, you have to trust your partner that they have a great intention here, but there's just a miscommunication, a disconnection of some sort, a limiting belief getting in the way. And the other really big key component, too, is expectations, because if you've been hurt in the past for whatever reason, you might come into this, into the new relationship, or if you've been married, say, five years, and a particular situation arises, you might expect something bad to happen when it might be the furthest from reality. But you're expecting right. it, so you might see a little glimmer of something, and then automatically, you know, flags go up, and your defense mechanisms go up, and you're fighting or you're saying something based off of what you think is about to happen that might not actually happen. So a lot of it does come down to expectations, like what you're expecting to happen here as well. Do you find that that gets in the way with when you experience these triggers sometimes? Do you think it ever falls back to uh, fear of expecting something that you've experienced in the past? We're kind of looking at each other like, is that directed <laughs> to me or, um, or to Amy? Either. <laughs> I think that we honestly, as a couple understand each other extremely well at this point, I think that the misunderstandings were all in the beginning. And I think that you are right. Like sometimes the the past was, I guess, <laughs> I guess sometimes we were triggered by what we were assuming would happen because of our past experiences. But now we've, we've kind of grown to know each other, even though we've only been together for three years now, I think we've through open communication and honesty and just being really transparent, we've gotten to know each other that that doesn't happen anymore. But when it did happen in the beginning and it was that few times it, that, that definitely was the case. We were anticipating something that wasn't actually ever going to happen. I think this is so beautiful that you all are being so open and raw about this, about how it was like that in the beginning, but isn't now. And it's because you communicated. If people will just stop and communicate and talk about what they're thinking, feeling, what their, you know, what their real expectations were in a particular situation, it, you know, it, it doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make you dumb. There's nothing negative, in my opinion, that's associated with going to your partner and saying, you know what, I fully expected you to say this or to do this that would hurt me. There's nothing wrong with that. There's there's no negative attachments that should be placed on a situation like that because it's open, it's raw, it's true communication. And when you can just bring yourselves to have the strength and the courage to open up and say those things to your partner like the two of you did in the beginning, you can get to the point of what you just described, Amy, where you know each other well enough now and you know your intentions. You don't have to worry about that anymore. And it's not really a mindset thing as much as it is, I, I think, probably both, where it's, it's mindset, but then also physical actions of going to your partner, having those difficult discussions that can be really scary, and doing that repetitively, going through those early stages of marriage, or what's going to basically recondition you and your brain and your thoughts to realizing, okay, this person isn't here to hurt me. This person is truly here to encourage me, to support me, to love me. And that's how you pull away from the expectations of what you experienced in the past and, you know, throws you into the place where you are right now, where, where you really trust each other. You know that your intentions are pure. And from this point forward, with any kind of conflict or altercation, you realize it's just a breakdown and, you know, in communication or disconnection or, or something, but that it can be worked out. It can be talked about in a safe environment and you can work through it pretty easily. I hope people really absorb what you all just said because that's so, that's so beautiful and it's so conducive to healthy communication and healthy connection. Great job, guys. I'm so yeah, proud Jennifer. of you. <laughs> I don't think it ever dawned on me before you, you just kind of stated it all that communication, that's it. That's exactly what we have in overboard amount of communication. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, like there's one defining characteristic of our marriage and what's different about it. I think that maybe most is, is that you're exactly right. Yeah. We don't, we don't bottle anything up inside. If something bothers us, we look at the other person and we're like, Hey, 
what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's brutally honest too. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. Communication is key. It really is. You know, I, I hear so many women who, and Amy, I'm going to direct this question towards you now. I hear a lot of women, you know, wives of military personnel, government officials, policemen, firemen. I know there's, I can't remember what it's called. I know my son has a friend who is going to be going out this summer and doing it, but it's a fisherman's job where they go out to sea for two or three months and it is some of the most dangerous, life-threatening work that you can do is, you know, putting your life out there because I think the the death rate for these guys is is kind of high. But there are lots of careers in the world you know, that are super dangerous and and put your life on the line. And I hear a lot of women, especially military women, wives of policemen and firemen are, I think those are the three most typical, where the wife will say, I really wish my husband would just quit this work because the stress that it puts on me and the children while, while he's gone and knowing that he may never come home. And it's just too much for me to handle. It's too much to bear. I wish he would just quit this job and choose something else that's not as life-threatening. You know, like, I don't don't know what they want. Maybe they want him to just, you know, be a teacher at a school or sit behind a desk doing finance work all day or or something that's considered a little less life-threatening, right? But I hear this all the time. I know you don't feel this way. I know you don't want Dave to stop doing his work, but I would like to talk about this for a minute because there are a lot of women out there who do want their husbands to stop doing what it is that they feel called to do. You know, there you have so many men out there who have these jobs. They believe that this is their purpose. This is their passion. And yet their wives are asking them to stop doing what it is that they love to do. And I understand where wives are coming from. I understand there's stress involved, and I understand that there can be worry at times, but it also is very selfish and very fear-based to be in a position where you allow it to riddle you so much with angst and anxiety and worry to the point that you, you look at your husband and ask him to stop doing what it is he believes it's his purpose and his passion in life to do. And We've talked, Dave and I have talked, I know you don't feel this way, so I would love to ask you why you're not in this position. Why is it that not only have you not asked Dave to quit doing this work, but why don't you even have that desire? I want you to talk to the women right now and and explain why you're happy that he's doing the work that he does and, and why you would never want him to quit. Well, I think it's all about trust and understanding. I understand why he's explained to me in detail why he feels compelled to do the things that he does. And I know that, you know, there have to be people in the world that combat the evil things that are happening. Otherwise, you know, we're just going to be in a downward spiral forever. So I know that the job that he does is of extremely high importance. And I also know that he, again, is extremely, extremely well-prepared and extremely qualified to do these things. So I think that a lot of the disconnect that these women are, are experiencing is understanding that their husbands have this, you know, they've got it. If they like Dave, he, he was a Navy SEAL. He was a former Navy SEAL. So he's gone through extensive training on how to conduct himself in high risk environments. If, if they would just step back and trust that they know what they're doing, I think it would really help them. I mean, these women aren't the ones going out to these dangerous environments and performing these tasks. They look at these things that are like, oh my gosh, I can't believe he's doing this. I can't believe he's in this situation. You know, it's really dangerous. He's not coming back. Well, it's not that dangerous for them because they know what they're doing. Of course, the women are going to be terrified because if they were in that environment themselves, they wouldn't have a clue of what to do because they haven't been prepared for it. So I think you have to understand that your husband's not going to walk into an extreme environment not knowing what he's doing and all of a sudden have a real problem. I mean, he also has that need and that desire and that drive to come back to his family, to have that life, to protect his family. What he's trying to do is protect other people out in the world that need it desperately. So I think you really have to step back and understand that when your husband goes to do something like this that is dangerous, he's he's got it. Like, it's okay. Yeah, I think you're right. I think a lot of people put themselves in that position and have this visual of 
you know, what it would be like if I were in that situation without the training. And of course, that's terrifying. (laughs) You know, you don't know what to think. You don't know what to do. And but what about a woman who's going to sit back and say, yeah, Amy, but accidents happen. You know, my fireman husband is as well equipped and well trained as he is. Accidents happen. Bullets, you know, bullets fly by and accidents can happen. So what what would you like to say to them who you know, when they sit back and and they have this realization that accidents happen and there is that threat for death. How do you get past that? Because yeah, accidents do happen. I mean, it may not even be on the job. I mean, Dave could be on an airplane on the way to whatever country he's going to, the airplane could go down. I mean, we're never guaranteed another day. So what type of mindset work do you do with yourself to just get past that so that you can just wake up and continue on through your daily activities with the children and do what you need to do without without really going to that place all the time. Well, I think you were right when you said that, you know, anything can happen even on an airplane. Accidents happen every day. Accidents could happen if, you know, I'm driving to the grocery store and I get in a car accident. Accidents are accidents and you can't live your life fearing, you know, what if this happened? So you just kind of have to go forward. It's like accidents do happen. Yes, there's more of a risk involved, but there's risk with everything you do in every aspect of your daily life. You can't, you can't be scared to get in your vehicle. You can't be scared to, you know, go for an afternoon jog. You can't be scared to walk your kids and a stroller down the street. You just can't live your life based on fear of what if, because if you do that, all of a sudden you're terrified all the time. You're going to prevent yourself from enjoying your life. You're going to prevent yourself from enjoying your spouse because you're going to be grasping onto him going, you know, I never want to lose you. And that kind of murky water of I'm not being myself with you. I'm being myself overcome by fear is going to get in the way of a lot of things in your relationship. So you just can't live your life based on fear. You have to move past that and understand that things do happen, but things can happen to anyone at any point in time in any situation. Yeah. It's not really living. Right. It's really refreshing to hear a woman say she absolutely loves what her husband is doing and happy that he's following what he believes to be is his calling and his purpose and his passion in life. So I really respect you for that. And it just delights me to to hear you say that because it really is, it really is refreshing. So thank you for sharing that with us. Absolutely. I love being married to a real life G.I. Joe. (laughs) That's so cute. (laughs) I love that. It's so cute. It really is sexy though. You know, I think so many women, can relate to that because it really is a turn on and not just because of the physicality behind Dave's work and and what he's doing you know it's like you know when when we're young girls and teenagers so many of us I mean I did you know it's like part of us you want to go after the bad boy because they're doing dangerous things and risky things and which is a very kind of masculine characteristic in itself you know so there is something to the physicality behind it but I think now that we're adults and and you are married to this real life GI Joe it's it's more because of the heart. You know, it takes a lot of heart and a lot of passion for a man to to rise up and stand behind whatever it is that he believes in. So much so that he rises up and takes great action and does something about it and to see a man going out like Dave and defending People in the world, you know, children who can't defend themselves, adults who have been enslaved because of religious persecution, children in the ch- sex slave, and, and to see him going out and defending people who can't defend themselves, to see a man put his life on the line to rescue these children, to rescue these adults, to see a man fight for the freedom of those that are enslaved. Any man doing any kind of work like that has my utmost respect. If you look at firefighters who decide to run into a building that's on fire, that's about to collapse so that they can you know, rescue the people that are trapped inside, policemen who have bullets flying by their heads because they're trying to protect the population, whatever it is, just you know, people who, who put their lives in physical danger, it's, it's really a beautiful thing because it, it really is attractive, right? And you look at people who not necessarily are in physical danger, but people who put their careers on the line because they want to just verbally speak out about something that they believe in. To me, that is real courage. It's real strength. It's real grit. It is very appealing. It is very attractive. I have a feeling, Amy, that you've always been a very strong woman, but I'm wondering if 
the mindset of a Navy SEAL, our former Navy SEAL, if Dave's mindset has worn off in you in any way? Yeah, actually, some of it has. The The mindset he has where he stays calm under pressure has worn off on me. When he talked about how he's prepared me for, you know, when he goes out of the country and does all these missions and everything and comes back, he's really helped coach me to stay calm under pressure. So, and I think that when you always have that fear and you're on your toes and you're freaking out about something, your thought process is interrupted. It's interrupted by fear. It's interrupted by the what ifs and you're nervous and you're not performing at your highest ability. So I think that staying calm under pressure is something that's rubbed off on me and also that he's really helped me with. And I've seen it in him too. I've seen, you know, him get texts and emails and phone calls that are extremely, you know, (laughs) something that would freak me out. And he's okay with it. And I'm like, how are you okay when this is happening? And he's like, Amy, you know, you have to understand that you can only control, you know, this much and everything else is how you're going to react to a scenario and you can't react appropriately to a scenario if you're freaking out. So you just have to kind of step back and relax and be calm about it. That way you're going to perform at your highest level. So that's really what's rubbed off on me. That's a beautiful lesson for marriage as well, because what you said about you know, when you're under stress, your brain cannot function properly. You cannot be resourceful. You cannot be creative in that position when you're experiencing high emotion, high stress, even in conflict in marriage. You're in a position where now you cannot, you can't get creative to come up with a solution to whatever the conflict is. And you're less likely to want to compromise as well. So I think it's really important, even in marriage with marital conflict, to realize that if you can calm yourself down, figure out something, some kind of strategy, whether it's meditation or prayer or exercise, whatever, but find out what works for you and stick to it. And, And so when you feel conflict arising, when emotions are high because you're hurt or disappointed with your partner, I think if you if you can do something to ground yourself and get yourself back to a place of calm and peace, that's when you're going to be more likely to compromise with each other, to get creative and find solutions to your conflict. What works for the two of you if you find that you're faced with conflict in your marriage, in your relationship, and you feel disconnected or your communication isn't going as planned and you're experiencing conflict. What do the two of you as individuals do to calm yourself so that you can get back to this place where you can be resourceful and creative and are more likely or more willing to compromise with each other? What works for each of you? We just have really good communication. We'll sit down and we'll talk about it immediately. It's not something where if something goes on, we, we never push it off to like the end of the day or the next day or even the next 20 minutes, you know, as long as we're not around kids, we'll sit down and have a calm discussion about exactly what's going on. If we're around kids, we might, you know, park it and kind of give each other a look like we're going to talk about this later. And then we'll have a time where we do obviously have to work around them and sit down and discuss it. But it's really been open communication of if anything goes on, we just sit down and kind of try to understand the other person's perspective. And like Dave said earlier, there's never a point in time where I ever intentionally want to hurt him. I mean, he's my husband. He's my partner for the rest of my life. I would never want to harm him. And he feels the exact same way about me. So it's just about sitting down and understanding where the other person's coming from and kind of wrapping your mind around how they're hurt in some way and explaining your side of the situation. Like I never meant to do that. But what do you do to get yourself there? So like if your feelings are hurt or if you feel angry at Dave for something he's done or not done or said, do you just take a couple of deep breaths? Do you have like a motto or a mantra of some sort (laughs) to get yourself calm so that you can have, you know, because there's got to be something that happens within you, Amy, between the point that you realize, okay, here's some conflict, here's something that needs to be talked about, and then actually having that discussion. What do you do or what do you say to yourself to keep your, to either put yourself back into a calm place or to remain there so that you can have that conversation? Honestly, it's like a natural reaction for me. I I don't get angry or elevated unless time goes by or something else happens that I don't understand. So I'm going to be more upset the more that I think about it. So if I kind of go at the situation immediately, then I can understand what's happening before I get to the place where I'm actually mad. 
So it's, it's something that we just naturally do. I know that if I sit down and have a conversation with Dave, I'm going to understand what's going on in two seconds. So I think that in the back of my mind, just having the knowledge that I can trust him and I know that he's always got my best interests in mind prevents me from ever going to that angry place. So you two have just practiced healthy communication so much so in your marriage that you really don't get to a point of escalation where you have to calm yourselves down. Yeah, no, we had like four arguments in the beginning where we're very strong people as as individuals, like by ourselves. So we had like four arguments in the beginning where we almost killed each other. I think we were, but but now we're good. I think at those arguments, I think we weren't used to putting as much real trust into someone else. So little things were really hurting both of us. Like that was early on. I, I just don't think either of us were used to investing so much of our, of our hearts and into the other person. And when you do that, you're very like you are at the beginning, you're a little bit vulnerable. You know what I mean? You're extremely vulnerable in any kind of small thing that looks like an attack or looks like an insult or look, you know what I mean? It, it can hurt a lot more because you actually have opened up that much. So for us, we had to get used to that. Yeah. And we, understanding that your partner isn't out to get you, I think is the key there because he's not out to get me and I'm not out to get him. We're, we do things as a team. Always. We're always together. We're always on the same page when it comes to any situation. So knowing that the other person is working with us and not against us kind of prevents any of that from happening now. And as I'm thinking about it, we really, we parent different, but we, we like really embrace each other's differences. Yeah. There's pros and cons to every style of parenting. And we both kind of have different things that we bring to the table for the kids. And we kind of like celebrate that instead of see that. As, yeah. We play off of each other instead yeah. of against each other. Hmm. Instead of try to com- make someone conform, you know, to one way, you know, of doing it. we talk about it, but then we're like, you know, we, we realize our kids are getting benefited from, to uh, mindsets. That's beautiful because I think so many people fall into the trap of competing with the other. Well, my way is the right way. And then the other is like, no, my way is the better way instead of doing what you two are doing, which is recognizing your own strengths and weaknesses and then allowing each other to play out those strengths and to play off of those and allow the children to see the differences, to experience those. And and so essentially really with parental, you know, parenting differences, the children are getting the best of both worlds, are getting the best of Dave's and then the best of Amy's and instead of making a competition. So I want to know when you're writing this book. I know you two are going to write a book together. Tell us what it's going to be about or, or have you figured that out yet? You know, I would love to figure out a way to empower other people to to see the beauty and in, in, in what this kind of marriage can be like. And and I I just think if if her and I, you know, kind of did it together and kind of played off each other a little bit, I think it empowers women to see men stepping up and I think it empowers men to see women embracing femininity. So I think to see both of those angles in one book uh, presented in a way that's very personalized, and I, I just think it could do some real good. Yeah, me too. Get, get, pick up the pen, get, get to it guys. <laughs> oh, I know. Crap. Thank I, you. I can't wait to read this. It's going to be great. All right. Before we go, I always like to ask guests some, some kind of fun questions. So Amy, tell me what your favorite book is. <laughs> well, especially since Dave just said that we're going to write a book together. I'm almost embarrassed to admit this, but I actually hate reading. So <laughs> Dave wants to jointly write this book with me and go on this journey with me. And I'm sitting back and going, am I even going to read my own book? So <laughs> I don't have one is the answer to that. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. What's your favorite way to show love to Dave? Honestly, I love to give them massages. I used to be um, a licensed and certified massage therapist. So (laughs) I like to give them massages, not only for the massage benefit itself, but that's like our quiet time. That's the time that we can really open up and connect with each other emotionally without any distractions to actually have conversations and, and just relax and talk. And I feel like when we're in that relaxed environment, we're so open with each other and there's so much love that that's really what I like to do and the gift that I like to give Dave. I like to just put ourselves in a situation where we can give 100% of ourselves to each other. 
Mm. That's beautiful. I, I know that makes Dave very happy too. <laughs> and plus, it usually leads to sex. So, <laughs> <laughs> of, course, of course, I had to ruin her whole entire story. I'm like turning bright red. You, you can edit. I said that at the end, so you can edit that out. If you I don't care. <laughs> no, we're not editing that. That's great. That's great. No, it's very real, very raw, and. Yeah, so you get your own happy ending there with your massage. That's great. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> That's great. So she's so giving. She she really does, like, in every way, make me feel like such a, a man in my home. That's because so. I get sex in return. <laughs> <laughs> We're both, we both have ulterior motives, I think. <laughs> <laughs> You guys are great. You're great. Amy, what is one action from human beings you would like to see more of in this world? Actual connections. I feel like too often we listen to other people to have a response and talk back to them and not actually to understand what they're saying to us. I feel like we're more self-centered on ourselves and not focusing on other people in the world. So I'd like to see us giving ourselves a chance to actually connect with somebody else, to be able to care for them too, to have compassion and have empathy for other people and not just to live our lives about ourselves. Mm, that's beautiful. Beautiful. What's your funniest family moment? Well, I like to be silly with the kids. So a while ago, my, my daughter was doing this thing where she was standing in the middle of the room and I went over and I would like grab her and hug her and pick her up. And it progressed to, I realized I was wearing fuzzy socks and I realized we had a hardwood floor. I was like, oh, I'll slide into her. And the more I slid into her, the more she just started laughing hysterically about it. So I looked at Dave and I was like, <laughs> you know, pick up the phone, let's record this. We've got to get some video because it was so cute. So he picked up the phone and the very next time I tried to do it, I overshot and I barreled into her like a bowling ball and she fell down. Now we're all laughing hysterically. She definitely was not hurt in any way, shape or form, but it was kind of funny. Like the second that he got the video camera out, he started yeah. taping. I barreled into her and knocked her down. So. <laughs> I can see oh. that now. That could be like on one of those America's funniest home videos or something. I think I, I didn't realize how much coordination it took and I definitely don't have it. <laughs> Zero coordination. <laughs> oh, I bet that was funny. Gosh. Uh, who's the better driver between the two of you? I would say it uh, depends uh, on uh, who uh, you uh, ask. <laughs> Our answers are I'm the better driver, and Dave seems to disagree with me. Well, <laughs> Dave, I mean, did you have, when, when you were in Navy SEAL training, did you undergo any form of, of driver training exercises? Numerous. Yeah, <laughs> Amy, I think I might have to side with Dave then. <laughs> We also have to ask the question, who has more tickets and violations? There's, there is a number of ways of looking at it. Um, we, we constantly, this is one of those areas that we give each other a lot of crap. Both of us do. And it's a pretty equal thing where we're always, we, we always are just making fun of each other. We do it. There's, there's probably a 5% truth in our jokes, but like we just, turn things into fun jokes where we 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 pick at each other all the time and make fun of each other so it's kind of one of the things we do <laughs> he likes to drive from the passenger seat and i like to give him a lot of looks when i'm driving <laughs> he's like why didn't you and i just give him the look like i'm not even gonna respond i well, mean i totally want to ride with you all somewhere now <laughs> you don't want to ever ride with amy if you want to ride with amy you're gonna be in the left lane on the highway with a bunch of cars behind you because you're not passing She's that person. So, I mean, it, <laughs> so I'm always trying to advocate for like street justice, you know, I'm like, no, you got to be in the other lane. And so, we, and then, and then she gives it back to me about how many tickets I've had. So we, we constantly are always going at each other. And if you ride with Dave, you need Dramamine because there's a lot of weaving back and forth. It's true. <laughs> I'm like motion sickness in five minutes. <laughs> you guys are so fun. Yeah. Wonderful. All right. So, Amy, you're married to a former Navy SEAL. Who is more disciplined? I think Dave and I are probably equally disciplined as individuals. The problem is when Dave and I get together, we kind of we have so much fun with each other that we can throw each other off. So it's like, we, <laughs> we like to go on these strict diets and it's like, you know, we're not going to eat this. We're going to do this. And then we get together and it's like date night. And all of a sudden, you know, 
we're on the couch. We didn't even go anywhere. We're on the couch and we've got like Mexican spread out on the coffee table and we're like binge watching <laughs> our favorite program. And we're kind of thinking, what happened to our diets? And it's like, oh, we got together and made a joint decision. <laughs> <laughs> our dates are even lazy. <laughs> So it's like individually we're great, but when we get together, it's like the opportunity window opens up and we're going to have fun. Yeah. We both like, it's like the eye. We both give each other this look. We both, we both know like something bad's about to happen. Oh, how funny. How funny. We're, we're, we're partners in crime. Yes, definitely. Oh, that's so precious. So precious. All right, Amy, if you had to pick an actor or animated character to portray Dave in a movie, who would you pick? He's already laughing because he knows what I'm about to say. When, whenever we go in public, like places where Dave has an opportunity to have a conversation with somebody that doesn't really know him, um, like a movie theater, you know, the guy handing you the popcorn or, you know, an, an airline where somebody's handing him a ticket. They always look at Dave and they're like, you look exactly like that guy. They always say Jason Momoa or that Jon Snow guy from Game of Thrones. <laughs> and I'm like, yes. So just because of those things, because I would get a kick out of it, it would be one of them. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Have you ever been asked for your autograph, Dave, for the, for those people? I, I actually have. <laughs> I have for Jason Momoa, for um, someone asked for the autograph for... Um, it was like a wrestler? No. Oh, yeah. And, and I was in Jordan. And uh, the guy thought I was like John Cena. He's like, you, you look like John Cena. And then I was, I think it was somewhere, where was it? It was um, Chris Helmsworth, right? Some, someone, oh, like yeah. Thor, someone thought I was Thor. A few people have thought I was Thor. I don't even know how. I look nothing like Chris Helmsworth. <laughs> I think he's just big. Like Dave yeah. has this presence and he's, he's got this small waist. He looks like an upside down triangle. So he's got these big <laughs> muscles. And the small ways. So whenever somebody looks at him, they're like, oh, wow. And they start saying, you know, all these giant actors. So they always compare him <laughs> to these guys. I guess Celine Dion. I've gotten that many times. <laughs> oh, I can actually that. see that. You know what? Yeah, I can actually see, see it. Yeah. Different places in the world. I've, I've, yeah, I've, I've, gotten, I've gotten some pretty wild uh, it, really responses from people. One time I walked into the lobby of a hotel when my son was six months old and, and or no, two years old and a little, and I yeah, pushed him in, in a stroller. And I walk into the lobby of this hotel and Grand Cayman, Cayman Islands, and all the staff started going crazy. Next thing I know, there's 50 staff from the hotel all in the lobby, all staring at me. And I'm thinking, is my, do I have something on my face? So, you know, what's going on? <laughs> And I get up to the counter and they said, uh, she winked at me. She said, what name are you under? And I said, Jennifer Price. And she's winking at me and smiling. And I thought, this girl's on crack. I don't understand why she's <laughs> acting like this. And she said, um, she says, okay, Miss Price, and winked at me. And she said, but you, you have to understand where we're coming from. We, we, we have to ask for ID. And I said, okay, that's not a problem. So I give her my driver's license. They're all whispering and giggling and pointing and taking pictures. And and she said, oh, you really are? And, oh, she asked me if I wanted to upgrade to the presidential suite on the house. So I said, well, sure, I'll take that. And, uh, <laughs> and then I give her my ID. And she goes, oh, you really are Miss Price. And I said, yes. And she said, oh, we all thought you were Celine Dion. And I said, well, do I, do <laughs> no, I still get the... No, did you get the presidential suite <laughs> That's what I asked her. Oh, I don't think my manager would approve of that now. I'm like, oh, you suck. <laughs> 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 I should have just gone with it. You know, whatever. Anyway. That's um, awesome. Yeah. Okay, Amy, any parting words of wisdom for people listening who have a spouse who's out in the world doing any kind of dangerous work? What's any, any parting words that you'd like to leave them with? I'd like to say, just don't worry. You know, your spouse is in that position because they can handle it. There's a reason for it. Worrying just upsets you. It doesn't help them at all. I say, enjoy your GI Joe, embrace his manliness, and just realize it's a gift. Mm. Love it. Love it. I love you both. Dave, thank you for being a guest on the show again, and also for the great work that you continue to do in this world. And Amy, thank you for coming on and just being a voice of wisdom and encouragement and support and love and hope for so many who also have a spouse, you know, out in the world doing dangerous work too. So thank you both for coming on and many blessings to both of you. Thank you. We think you're amazing. Yes. Really love you. Thank you so much. You're amazing. Thank. Keep doing the work you're doing. Oh, I, I do. I love it so much. Thank you. 
Thanks for tuning in to The Marriage Show. I appreciate the time you took to be with me today. If you love this show as much as I love making it, please subscribe, rate, and leave me a five-star review. That will allow us to inspire more people together. And if there's someone in your life that would benefit from any of the subjects we discuss here on the show, please share it with them. Text it to them, screenshot it, or email the link. Let's change lives together. Let's spread the love. Oh, and please find me on social media and tell me what subject you would like me to discuss here on the show. So head over to Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. I really would love your suggestion. And if you want to check the show notes from today's episode, you can find them at www.themarriageshow.com. And you can also listen to all of my other episodes there as well. Until next time, love one another. Oh, 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 oh